Welcome to Revive Energy Podcast. This month we continue discussing holding on to hope, tribute to recovery month and suicide prevention week. I have two returning guests. You know, they are no stranger to this podcast, and I really appreciate them taking the time to come and share their insight, their perspective, and how and why this is important for us today. So I have Uma and I'm gonna hold on, let me do it this. Let me do it this way. This is I'm learning how to use this. Hold on. I don't want to be the f- one second. Why am I? Uh, oh, all right. Well, I'm just gonna Uma and Mike. Thank you so much for being a part of all this. Um, um, it's never easy when we talk about suicide or recovery, but I just appreciate you guys sharing your insight. I'm gonna um, go ahead and. Thank you again for joining us again. So um, um, before we begin, I always start with a disclaimer, rightfully so. It's uh, Suicide Prevention Week this month, and the number is 1-800-273-8255. It's a National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Um, If you're in crisis, wherever you are in part of the world, I ask that you um, find what resources are out there for you. And... um, I'm going to begin with a quote. I'm going to see if I could switch it this way. Oh, hold on. Let me see. I had it this way. There we go. Finally, back to normal. Here we go. Um, There's a quote from Napoleon Bonaparte, and I just like what he says. He says, courage isn't having the strength to go on. It's going on and on when you don't have strength. Um, How about we'll just go Michael first and Uma. I just want to hear what what comes to mind when you hear this quote. When I hear this quote, I think about really people struggle every day because some people, they struggle in silence and some people, they struggle out loud, but everybody struggles. And so if everybody struggles, it's easy to forget or to think that our pain is the greatest there is. Yeah. And we don't want to judge anyone's pain as less than our own. It's one of our principles of support. How about you, Uma? What 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 comes to mind when you hear this quote? I think this is a very very um, powerful statement mm-hmm. because it is very easy in human nature mm-hmm. to give up what they cannot handle. Yes, it is easier, but every challenge comes with the choice of fight or flight yeah so people think that you need the strength to go on Mm -hmm. um, when you have a possibility however in terms of uh, challenges it's very hard to look at that possibility Mm -hmm. but always remember there is a silver lining for any dark cloud so when napoleon said this it's a really powerful statement yeah. When you think you have nowhere else to go, you have yeah. to remember there is always a purpose, there is always some place to go. And to come to that kind of a realization, you need the support systems. I really like what you said, that you continue this this journey kind of mindset, because what I want to talk about is uncertainty. We went through COVID-19 and a lot of things have happened you know i'm so glad to see you uma and you're doing it seems like you're doing well i know you went through a lot of medical stuff and i'm just appreciate that you're back and 
But a lot of times there's a lot of uncertainty out there, you know? And when we look at it, recovery, it's the same way. It's no different. So I want to ask you, Uma, first, and then Mike, um, what has helped you move past uncertainty in life? In recovery, and as a parent, as a peer, how would you define that? I have I have very simple principles. Mm-hmm. One, I feel that every life that is on the globe mm-hmm. has a purpose. Mm-hmm. Whether we realize it or we do not, or someone realizes it or not. Mm-hmm. So when you are aware you are here for a reason, mm-hmm. you will last as long as your purpose needs to be served. Yeah. That requires a lot of faith. Mm-hmm. Faith, I'm not going towards any denominations of the faith. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about faith. I believe in my maker. Yes. (laughs) I used to tell my colleagues, we are only made once. Rest of all repairs. (laughs) However, um, uh, yes, I did go through a major procedure. Mm. But um, I told myself, there is a reason I'm here. Mm. And I'm going to pursue that if I'm going to be around. If not, it'll be handed over to someone else who is capable of doing that. Yeah. There is, um, for this, in Eastern or Western philosophy, mm-hmm. you do believe in mindfulness and living in the moment. Yes. Only this moment is yours. Yes. I don't know what's going to happen next. So there's no point in worrying. It's I do believe in action mm-hmm. and positive thinking more than anything else. I really... So, yeah. I think that's how you go on. You go mm-hmm. on because you must. That's what Tagore said. Mm-hmm. Rabindranath Tagore was a Nobel laureate. He's my one of my favorite poets. Mm-hmm. One of his sentences says, "We go on because we must." I like that. It leaves it open ended, but you fill in the rest. Right. <laughs> right. Mike, how about you? How would you? How would you, do, you know, on a peer's perspective, you know, I mean, me and Mike talk a lot because we're peers and we're just, we're trying to make it through all this uncertainty. So, Mike, what would you do through this uncertainty, um, to your uncertainties? Well, when I think of uncertainty, I think of a quote that I like to, to give. And it was one of those anonymous quotes for a while. Mm-hmm. It's, yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. Mm-hmm. But today is a gift. That's why they call it the present. Yes. And as long as you stay in that present mindset, because it's easy to go and live in the past. Yes. But rent there is really high. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to try to, you know, prognosticate for the future. Mm-hmm. But then you that's when you hit that uncertainty. But if you yeah. stay in the moment, stay in the present. And I like to tell people. You know, find your purpose. But some mm-hmm. people they come back to me and say, "Mike, what is my purpose?" Or mm-hmm. I don't know my purpose. Mm-hmm. And I tell them one thing that you know has helped me personally mm-hmm. is you know giving to others, volunteering, mm-hmm. helping. Because mm-hmm. when you help someone else, you mm-hmm. get out of your problems and what's you know out of your head, and you you're putting forth and you're doing something positive. So yeah. you're getting that positive energy in return. I really like what both of you are saying about being present. You know, we have a lot of ways to communicate, but we don't communicate well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, one thing I'd like to try to aspire to be 
is I'm, I'm talking to you Uma, or Mike and there's a crowded room. You will feel like you're the only one there. You know, I'm making you feel present. And I, I do like that. And on, on, on the other side, purpose, you guys talk about purpose. I truly personally believe holistically purpose-driven recovery. There has to be a why. I, 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 for, I don't have substance use disorder, but I know some of my friends do. And one of the things that I've noticed is they said, if Robert, if every day was just not to drink something, not drinking something, it's empty. There has to be something more. And uh, for me, it's not about, like you say, it's not a denomination. It's about, you know, it's about why do you do what you do? I think we don't ask ourselves that question enough. And I feel hearing from you and Mike, uh, I feel that it's coming together because you have, you understand that answering that why each day and that the world changes and uncertainty is inevitable uh, and embracing it just like Napoleon Bonaparte. It's not that every day is going to be wonderful. Some days I would say, it didn't go well, Mike. I'll try it again tomorrow. <laughs> you know, that's all it is. That's sometimes all you could do. Um, and with that said, you know, I was a veteran and love you, both of you know. And I hear this, you know, a lot of, I'll die for you. But I like what this says. It says, if you want to show me that you really love me, don't say you would die for me. Instead, stay alive for me. And I love that because it's they use die for me in the wrong context for this i feel like right now this means um a lot more to me stay alive for me be there be present with me and uh listening to this quote a little reflect on your both of your own lives living for me versus dying for me i feel i think both of all of us could kind of agree that we we that th- like living being is more courageous a lot more times than giving up and dying not minimizing during this suicide prevention week i'm just saying for me personally uh, we have to look at the context at hand when we're thinking about our own lives when things are going bleak when we're trying to hold on to hope not every day is going to be wonderful but i would say staying and choosing life is courageous you know a lot of times especially in the mental health if you're a peer choosing to stay like choosing to better yourself choosing life versus not is courageous yes and what do you accomplish by dying for you no you carry on the purpose by being alive exactly like mike correctly said when you realize when you volunteer and render your services Mm -hmm. you realize how blessed you are yeah not that you're comparing with the others at the same time it makes you realize mm-hmm. thankful for every breath every new day yeah i just want to share with those listening that you know lot unfortunately a lot of people a lot of people around the world make that permanent choice but if you are in crisis in the united states please don't hesitate to call 1-800-273-8255 it's a national suicide prevention lifeline i would say suicide is always for many hard to talk about but even recovery in itself mental health recovery is messy me and mike talk about this a lot it is messy there's so much context so much culture there's so much relationships there's so much social aspects that don't even get considered so when we talk about that we have to talk about stigma 
and an impact on the journey of recovery. I want to hear from both of you. I think I misspelled member, but it's okay. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, Mike and Uma, when it comes to stigma and how did it, how has it transcended? Because for me, stigma has changed a lot in how I view it. And I want to know here from Mike first, how has stigma uh, been for you? And um, how did you overcome it? And where do you see it? Where would you like to see it improve? And what would you like? You know, any any aspect of stigma that you want to go with? Well, I see it a lot as a peer. Because, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people, they see us when we're sick. Mm-hmm. And they see us when we're down. Mm-hmm. And some people, they either toss us aside or, or they're just, you know, they're just acting out. Or... They're just, you know, they don't want to be healthy or they don't want to be okay. Mm-hmm. And then you got the other people that try to overprotect you. Oh, I can't let them do this or I can't, you know, I got to do this for them because they feel that you can't do anything. Mm-hmm. So I tell people with my recovery, I don't have the victim mindset. Mm-hmm. Yet I may say I know my limitations. But how will I be able to know my limitations if you don't give me the opportunity to try? Yeah. So I want to at least try to do it. And if I can't do it, oh, well, you know, I fought the battle. I did what I did. Tomorrow's a new day. (laughs) (laughs) And I I don't want to be like, you know, well, I don't need anybody. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I still want to have that support system. And there are certain things people say that stigmatize or that shows the stigma without them even realizing that. Like some Mm -hmm. of the statements I hear are, Oh, we don't want to put too much on you Mm -hmm. that, you know, over the time that could be, you know, a way of stigmatizing somebody or, you know, they don't know no better. That's a, that's another one Mm -hmm. because when you talk, in those certain terms what you're doing is you're categorizing the person and you're already putting them in a certain light or a certain situation you know to either write them off or to you know limit them and i believe that you should always push it to your limit but never exceed it and just learn to stay in your name lane find what you're good at you know stick to it and always Think about self-care mm-hmm. and, you know, also about staying on that road to recovery because it is a journey. I really like that. How about you, Oma? It's a very, very valid point Mike made because I can speak from the point of view of the family, mm-hmm. especially as a mother. Mm-hmm. And I have seen as a parent in all through the cultures, not just East culture, Western culture or anything. It's a simple fact people overlook. And the common impression is if something goes wrong with the children, Mm -hmm. it's somebody's fault. Yeah. Life happens. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be someone's fault. Yeah. Time and again, I get asked, how come I'm so strong? I said, why not? I didn't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. My child didn't do anything wrong. My husband didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. It's a chemical imbalance in the brain. 
that mm. causes the mental illness yeah and when it is physical illnesses are so much progressed and you don't think twice to come out and say oh my child has leukemia or something and tons of sympathy pours out and you say my child has mental illness they shy away from you yeah. and the very very valuable point mike made mm-hmm. is i will put in one single word dignity yeah i very strongly tell the community and actually at this point i can um, share with you i'm doing a short movie mm-hmm. on we belong we did a movie on mental health for st john's county we did the glaring realities mm-hmm. now i'm going to do one on we belong i was going to do a stage show but um, unfortunately because of the covid anyway long and short of it is it's going to come out the reason for that is i want to imprint on people's minds mental illness doesn't put them make them discards mm-hmm. i 100% agree with michael mm-hmm. because they they grow up they are adults yes they do have a chemical imbalance mm-hmm. so there are some limitations as to their their performance levels or their recovery levels mm-hmm. but there should be no limitation for the society to accept them as human beings yes regardless of what your diagnosis is as mm. long as you're not disruptive to the life mm. as long as you're not disruptive in a community mm-hmm. okay then but you don't have to put them away yes so people keep asking me i'm actually i'm on a, another project now mm-hmm. to try to get some residential facilities mm-hmm. um then they ask me what is my proposal my proposal is number one safety number 1 safety number 2 safety mm-hmm. and dignity dignity and safety yeah we can sit here and talk mm-hmm. but it has to go into the community yes yeah and I... then if you say when they don't know you or your mm-hmm. family when you say that you have a challenged kid they suddenly expect you to have two horns and he's going to jump on you or something like that yeah, yeah. no these are helpless individuals because of their illness Yeah. and they're trying to do their best to survive in a society which does not recognize that it's not the fault of an individual who is a peer yeah it is the lack of knowledge mm. on the part of the rest of the people so i just tell them ignorance is not bliss in this mm-hmm. situation <laughs> learn more the more you learn mm-hmm. the more it makes you humble Mm-hmm. as to how much of faculty you have mm-hmm. to bring it out into the public i really like what you both are saying because for me when it comes to stigma the person has to be an active participant in their recovery yes number one the thing is for me um that comes with dignity that comes with everything you're talking about which i find you know stigma has changed it used to be kind of like a name calling thing in my mind like oh, oh yeah. you did you you you, you do and for me in some ways it is but in other ways it's a little bit more subtle with cultural and like um and i think it all stems from fear i have family members that i love and they, i i got a lot of support and i still would never i never was malice their approach was never malice intentionally it's just that, like what mike was saying they were scared and like almost like learn more educate yourself 
But a lot of times it's just not being educated and fear that promotes this. Let's just separate the individual from the recovery side of it. And for me, I never seen that work. When the person, when the biggest, I think the biggest stigma moment for me, and Mike could relate to this, is when someone said to me when I was struggling at my work at, at a point, and they're like, "What are we going to do with Robert?" In front of me, not including me. For me, I felt that was like the pinnacle of stigma because no longer am I considered a part of the conversation. I'm outside of the, that conversation. So for me. Even if they met well, even and uh, and some of them were family members. Even though they met well, there was a lot of fear and you know, in, inside of that, and it wasn't helpful later on because I didn't need them to be active participant in my recovery. I myself needed to be active participant in the, my recovery, and I think for me it continued to change because like seasons of life, seasons of recovery as we grow older. I see things a little bit more differently, but at the same time, I still feel dignity is number one. Being able to kind of test your limits—that's why I always try to encourage. Like I like talking to Mike. I like seeing him what he's doing. I feel saddened that some other peers don't feel that they can do so much. I feel what really saddens me when I'm in group and I ask, "Hey, so and so." What's your favorite? What's your hobby? And they can't even name one. And I ask them. I wonder、um, if that's because they don't think they deserve one. And that's something to really think about. So, with that being said, you answered this before, but you know I don't proselytize here as an outreach ministry. But I encourage finding the why in life. I'm going to ask both of you, what is your why when it comes to this topic? What we're talking about today. Why do you do what you do? Why, why, as a caregiver, as a peer, you know, you guys kind of subtly answered anyway. But I'm gonna go to, I guess I'll go to Uma first, and then Mike. Well, in the simplest way to put it, <laughs> I know what I do is because I want to and I can.、Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't mean to sound very.、Uh, I'm trying to be. Sounding very assertive, not arrogant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly,、mm-hmm. my constant question in my mind and to the others,、mm-hmm. I've been blessed because I'm a physician.、Mm-hmm. I have the, and my husband is a physician.、Mm-hmm. So we have excellent intellectual resources.、Mm-hmm. Okay, fairly reasonable. Financial resources when the illness started,、mm-hmm. but now I started adding when I talk in the crisis intervention team. I told Toby, and then we added, "MD does not stand for a million dollars. <laughs> It doesn't, <laughs> because mental health is expensive. Yeah. Okay, healthcare is expensive. Mental healthcare is very expensive.、Mm-hmm. However. Why do I do what I do? Because constantly I ask myself, having this kind of resources and a tremendously understanding family and friends, if I'm hurting this much,、mm-hmm. how about those who cannot ask a question、mm-hmm. or who don't get answered if they ask a question?、Mm-hmm. Because no matter how idealistic we speak. 
the society still honors your qualification. So what happens is that I can ask the same question and about the medications, I wanted to bring out a point in recovery too. We need to remember besides the illness, the medications that are used for the illness kind of cause a fogginess in the brain. And part of the brain loses its activity as the time goes on. Most of the diagnosis that I've spoken to psychiatrists and all that, people settle down after 30, 40 years of life. The worst time is the growing up period between 19 and 25, where you don't know what's going on. And then you're put on these medications. So my pain comes from both understanding what is going on or trying to understand and then what goes on in my son's brain. And as a person, quote unquote, normal, as per the society, it's it's easier for me to understand the process. But when you're hurting and when you have the illness, you don't have that kind of insight. And to make this point again and again, I talk very openly to the community because I, one of my older friends, I respect her a lot. Patty told me in 1960s and 70s, we were called schizophrenogenic mothers. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? You, you're talking about the name calling. Yeah. That was the name calling. Yeah. Now, this is a chemical disorder in the brain of the neurotransmitters. Mm-hmm. It, you don't have a handle on what goes on in your brain and how you react. Yeah. So what we need is empathy. Not sympathy. Yeah. 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 That empathy. That's why the why I feel that God has given me enough strength to speak about it. Yeah. And I'm very grateful. I somebody sent me a quote. 30 Mm -hmm. points why I'm grateful I have a disabled son, disabled child. Mm -hmm. It threw me off. But the more I read about it, It says, I realized the fierce quality in me because my child is unable to do, perform for himself. Mm -hmm. It gave me courage to speak out because he cannot defend himself. Mm -hmm. And I feel this is a special opportunity. So do it. Yeah. Mike, Mike, how about you? What's well, your why? Your preference before I get into my why, I like to give people two stats. The first one is 96% of all violent crime or action is, is a person with that doesn't have a mental illness. But people tend to focus on that small 4% that does have a mental illness. And the second stat I like to give is one in five persons will either have a mental illness or know somebody that has a mental illness. One in four, yes. So with those two stats, Mm -hmm. I like to say my perspective as a peer with having the lived experience, I feel is so powerful because a lot of times people only see the bad when when peers are down Mm -hmm. or when they're in crisis. 
Mm-hmm. But I've been in recovery for a long time and I could show that a lot of people, they come up to me and they say, like when they find out I have a mental illness, they're like, Mike, if you didn't tell me, I wouldn't even know. Exactly. And I said, that's the point. I want to prove that, you know, I am capable and able to represent my fellow peers because mm-hmm. a lot of them, have, they may go into recovery, but they may slip up and go back. Mm-hmm. And I have the ability to represent and say, hey, you know, we not all peers are alike, but that's not to put the other peers down. No, but that's this, you know, like Uma says, I am capable. Mm-hmm. So while I am capable, I'll be the ambassador. You know, I'll take on the, the, the pressure so that others can benefit, you know, from my fruit, the fruits of my labor. Mm-hmm. And that is my why. You know, um, I jokingly said this to Mike when we were talking. Um, I like the safe place model. I liked, I like where we could have a place where. That's why I love NAMI. I love doing facilitating the groups. I love reaching out to my fellow peers and just connecting. One of the biggest, one of the biggest thing complaints I always hear is not being heard. And we talk about dignity. If you're not being heard, if you're if you're kind of put to the side, that is not being dignified. That is being put to the side. And one thing I want to also say is, I I kind of liked. Um, obviously, I don't wear this uh, corduroy sweater, but I like uh, was in Mister Rogers' neighborhood. I kind of treat myself. Why do I do what I do? I just for me, I want to continue the dialogue. Why do I care about all this stuff? Because I can't. I don't see we can't afford not to and if even yes. if you're a business mindset it's gonna it affects all parts of communities that no one even wants to mention it's that dirty little secret each town has each city has that everyone tries to push under the rug but these are people and if and the people that i i guess there's two types of people that i would i'm not just trying to speak harshly but um i'll just speak plainly people who have been I don't know, burnt out so much that these people become numbers more than people. And then the other people that really I struggle with working or with in this, in this field is people who are too scared to do anything. Yes. Like for me, these people are people and it's not about numbers. It's about the family. Let's not make it more complicated. It is. It's, a, it's a, because it's our brothers, it's our sisters, it's our mothers, it's all this stuff. It's a people. It's the people around us that are affected by mental illness, people who are affected by substance use disorder, people who are affected with recovery altogether. That is why I do what I do. I do it because I know how it feels to not be heard. I know how it feels to be pushed aside. I know when it feels, and Mike knows this, how to be overlooked, how to be coddled, because of fear why you know mental health is super messy and i could see that people say this is too much for me but i i remember this one story and i'm to keep um to end uh, this thought process i don't want to say any names but one of my friends she she had and i know mike knows who this is but just for um protection of privacy she has a sister who's down syndrome no not down syndrome autistic nonverbal all her life and i remember going there with her and she explained to me all the reasons i had to be you know to i'm like 
you know, concerned about how I was going to experience this, what they experienced with her sister. And I said, I was extremely saddened that she had to explain all that. It makes me show, it shows me how much she was more concerned. And I'm like, I'm only going to be there for a little bit. And she lives it whole her life. All her life is she's trapped in her mind. She can't speak nonverbal. And I, you're so concerned of me feeling uncomfortable <laughs> for one day. That's the problem I have sometimes. And that's why I do what I do. I'm trying to give a voice for those people who don't feel they have a voice. And I really appreciate Mike, Uma, and us all trying to continue the conversation about why. Why do we do this? Because of the family and friends around us, because our communities, because it, we can't afford not to. And Mike and Uma, as we wrap up, any final thoughts you'd like to share with those listening? Mike or Uma? I have, I have one final thought. I really like the serenity prayer, but I tell people, if you don't believe in God, you know, you can say you're a maker. You can say the aliens, you can say the universe, but grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can and the wisdom to know the difference. And to me, that's very important because everybody wants serenity. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants peace of mind, Mm -hmm. but it takes courage for us to to really go after it and to get it and it also takes wisdom from us to know when to use it so that's my final thought mike i think you and i went to the same school (laughs) (laughs) on my lines because um as recently as last week someone asked me how come i'm always cheerful and all that i said i had the serenity prayer on my table (laughs) when my on my desk during my practice and then this time I just told I accept what I cannot change yeah that's wonderful and I accept it with a smile because you can't change it life happens yeah but one thing though my request to all the peers Mm -hmm. is that there is a possibility and a reality of losing the Mm self-esteem both because of the illness as well as the way they are facing the community. Yeah. But remember, tell yourself you're special. Yes. I, I remember um, this one quote I was using a lot earlier this year. It's from Martin Luther King Jr. I think it's very, it says, if I can't fly, then run. If I can't mm-hmm. run, then walk. If I can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. Our last principle of support is we never what? Give up hope. hope. And we're holding on to hope today, and I really want to thank you both for being a part of this. I want to share with those listening, you can reach um, uh, all the new updates with Revive Ministries at ReviveMinistriesFL.com. Um, Uma, I know you have a lot going on, especially the movie and everything. All those notes will be attached on the bottom of this episode. Mike, okay. um, you also said you're you're doing, uh, could you share a little bit what you're, what's, uh, where you're up to? Recently, well, I just got officially trained mm-hmm. as a facilitator instructor for mental health first aid. Whoa. Yeah, there you go. So, um, I'm doing the post work now, but for anybody out there that uh, would like to to request a class for any organization or person mm-hmm. that has the group that will request a class, you could get my contact information, which Robert will leave in the 
description. Yeah, I'll, I'll just I'll I'll leave all that contact information for those listening, watching, and you can reach out to Mike and you can you know set up some. And I want to share. Yeah, I'm. I have requested Sripad to contribute one chapter. I'm writing my third book. It is Road to Recovery, Hills and Valleys. So okay. my son will be writing part of the. He said he can't write. I said, I'll ask you questions. You give me the answers, then I will write. That's so, awesome. That's so awesome. That's, and uh, that's we will. I'll put all that information. And in, you know, I I always love having you all, both of you here. You guys are Thank great. You, Thank and you, Robert. Thank you. I just want to share this last quote. Those who are Harry Potter fans, <laughs> it says, <laughs> it, "It is our choices that show what we truly are, far more than our abilities." I will take someone who is willing versus someone who has a big resume. <laughs> <laughs> Any day of the week. <laughs> so anyway, uh, my resume is now very very short. I'm just retired. My retirement is full time job with no pay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thanks again. Thank you. Rabbi Mirshis wants to say that despite the challenging times we live in today. We're extremely grateful for all the inspiring stories of hope shared last year. Revive Ministry has ambitious goals for the future. We plan to have a more structured monthly theme and engaging topics that we ex- we are extremely excited about. 92 episodes in, in just over a year, and more already scheduled to be uploaded. Your help would be much appreciated. Look at the details of the episode to find out more. And as always, stay safe and thank you for listening.